0: Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast. We're joined today by Assistant General Manager for the New Orleans Saints and College Scouting Director, Jeff Ireland. Jeff, uh, you know, a lot of work as far as scouting and things were done before the draft that just wrapped up. According to Mickey and Sean, things were done beforehand. But during the draft this year, with things being done virtually, do you think there were any additional challenges that you had this year that maybe there weren't before in the war room?
1: Well, not necessarily on draft day, you know, um, certainly leading up to the draft, there was uh, many challenges, obviously, um, you know, coming home from the combine and, you know, the, uh, the coronavirus getting steam, you know, our scouts were on the road like, a, like they normally would be uh, right after the combine, and then all of a sudden they're off the road, and you know, the offices start closing down and um, states start closing down. So we completely, you know, pulled them off the road and started uh, really looking into the, the Zoom and the WebEx, you know, meetings and you know, the video conferencing. And and so we just tried to replicate um, kind of a, what we call a 30 visit <clears throat> uh, on, on WebEx with our coaches and trying to get that, football intelligence test done and so those were the challenges is that no, not really having the pro days, not having the 30 visits, not having our coaches go see these players live. Um, you know, The great thing that we do is we really are very aggressive with our coaches and staff at the Senior Bowl. We bring the entire staff down there and we have an off-site uh, and a meeting space that uh, we kind of replicate the combine meetings at, at the Senior Bowl. So we had Oh, let's call it eighty or ninety interviews with the, with all the senior bowl players already done, which always helps us lighten the load at the combine. And of course, we had the combine interviews, so we were probably ahead of the game I, per se. But um, you know, but uh, the, the March challenges with no pro days and, and then April challenges and no pro, no thirty visits uh, that that creeped up on us pretty good.
0: I apologize, Jeff. I was probably pretty rude. I didn't even ask you how you're doing, which is pretty much uh, a staple nowadays. How are you and your family doing uh, during COVID-19 right now?
1: We are great. Uh, My family's been up in North Carolina for about six weeks, so um, they've they've been isolated. I think there's two COVID uh, test positives uh, in the entire county, so uh, they've been isolated and quarantined up here in the mountains, and um, uh, They're doing great. They're doing great. It was tough being away from them for that period of time. But, uh, you know, that's kind of nature of the beast. Um, they were here, and and uh, I was in New Orleans.
2: It's Jeff, obviously, Um, you guys have players that appear to fit some of the needs or some of the wants or some of the areas that the team would want to fill. But when you're going into a draft and you guys have a – specific criteria you want tough players you want smart players how do you know i mean when do you decide well this guy's smart enough but he's not tough enough this guy tough enough but he's not smart enough. i mean when do you know that guy fits the criteria you're looking for
1: well it's just really more of a philosophical approach that uh, that we take and it's and it's really kind of getting several different looks at the player um Several live looks at a player during the fall. Live looks meaning scouts to the school, um, a cross check look, a director look, um, and then and then doing it again maybe like in for instance for example Adam Troutman. Well, he's at the Senior Bowl, so we really double teamed on the on that evaluation. We had our you know both tight ends coaches talk to him. We had Pete Carmichael talk to him. I, I talked to him. Sean was present to one of the interviews and so what you're really trying to do is you're really trying to cut down your margin for any kind of failure that you may have on a player. And that's what you're doing with every single player. Um, but with the three players we selected and you know, the first and the, and the two in the third round, we specifically uh, saw those players uh, multiple times as uh, so we had multiple live looks at, uh, you know, with uh, Caesar and and Zach and, um, and Adam so that's what we're trying to do. We're really trying to cut down your margin for error. And, you know, when we have a question and we have a margin for, for failure potentially, um, then we got to do a little bit more work on that guy to make sure that uh, he fits
2: our criteria. Did that play into it even more this year because of the condensed time frame in which you could you could look at look at folks, who, like you said, you didn't have pro days, you didn't have some of those individual workouts. So if you had any questions, were that more likely to make a guy ineligible for the Saints?
1: Well, you know, our, our philosophy kind of going into draft day and and, and then part of uh, the conversation that we took when we were meeting was we feel like if we're, there's not going to be an OTA process, there's not going to be an off-season program for these young players, these young rookies, these first-time players, then we really got to make sure that we're getting the right kind of person that can come in to, a, to maybe a condensed training camp setting and, and contribute quickly if uh, if we had a question about how the kid learns and if maybe he's a, a slow processor um, then you know we felt like that might be difficult to you know bring him up to speed as quickly as we want to and, and without the OTAs and the mini camps and all the off-season program stuff that we would do with the player um, so that was you know we really kind of approached it quality over quantity and um, those uh, those four players uh, checked all these boxes that we needed to be checked, and um, we felt like the clearest path to our roster with those uh, with those players were uh,
2: were very clean. Jeff, we always like to place instant analysis on draft classes. How long does it take to get a quote unquote grade on a draft class
1: well it 's certainly not twenty four hours after a draft. <laughs> It, it takes a little while, you know, we have, when we go into a player, I always ask our scouts, our coaches to give me a, you know, a, a year one vision and then a down the road vision. What do we expect on with this player coming in right away and contributing to our roster, you know, year one? Is it going to take him six weeks to get going? Is it going to be, you think he comes in and plays special teams right away? Does he, is he going to learn fast? And is he going to beat out a couple of different players? Is he an upgrade? Uh, and then what's, what's, once we get to coaching and and uh, gets comfortable, how, how much more upside athletically can he, um, does he have in his body and in his mind and, and what can he become? And so every player kind of has a kind of a two-stage vision and, and uh, you know, I'm always going to grade our draft after year one and then I'm going to grade it again after year three probably.
0: You know, since we've gone online, it's really been um, exhausting trying to teach JD everything that goes into the online process and trying to school him on everything that that goes into that. But I have to imagine um, that with these new draft picks, there's going to be some online implementation of things that you would originally be teaching them in rookie minicamp and things like that. Who's been kind of heading things up and how do you even go through the process of trying to put everything online?
1: Well the good thing is is most of the players that we drafted and then I would say even most of the players that we signed, we were all on a WebEx conference with those guys leading up into um, you know the draft process. we we were able to go you know three times a week with up to an hour with each individual player. we had to log everything and send that to the league and uh, you know so we were on the WebEx with our or Cisco um, zoom. Uh, gosh we used every platform we could possibly use to uh, to to video conference these players in so I think they're going to be pretty up to speed on on that but gosh we have a great IT team with uh, Jody and and Kevin they did a fantastic job setting up uh, uh, our draft room over at the uh, over the Dixie for the limited period of time we were over there and then and then setting up our draft rooms at our homes Uh, me Mickey and Sean all had draft rooms and and, uh they were elaborate <clears throat> and big and uh we're we're all over fifty, so we so we so we can't see these little little prints, so we had these big big monitors and and uh some of these kids they're looking at video on their on their phones and I'm like, can you see that? Are you sure you can see that because I can't see that on my phone but uh no i think uh I think this is a new age I think uh you know the kids certainly the the players these are not they' not kids they're young players but um for sure they're a little bit probably more up to speed with some of the technology, the technical uh, challenges that uh, maybe uh, John and I face. Uh, they're, they're probably a little bit more advanced than uh, John and I.
2: I'm admittedly a slow learner. And then when I catch up, they moved on to something else. So I will all <laughs> be behind probably.
1: That's why so I I'm not right. on Facebook. I couldn't figure it out. I said, <laughs> forget it. I'll let my wife do that.
2: Yeah. So I will admit that uh, Jeff with the scouts, Um, how implicitly do you trust their evaluations of players? Because, you know, I guess, you know, there has to be some give and take, but also I guess there has to be a basic level of trust in what they're doing when they're out there.
1: Well, you said it. I explicitly trust them. Um, You have to. And you have to be a good listener in in, in my position because you're going to have information flying at you at, at, at a million different angles and you have to be able to absorb the information, what's important. You have to to know, you have to have continuity on your staff to know that, hey, this guy's a little bit, he's a little tougher on the makeup, or maybe he's not as tough as as my West Coast guy or whatever. Um, You know, maybe he's a hard grader. You know, maybe he's a, maybe this guy's a soft grader. So you have to understand where the player's coming from. Continuity is important and you have to trust these guys, and look, these guys are out there on the road more, you know, I'm on the road a ton, but they're on the road a lot more than I am, and, uh, you know, they're they're in the community of scouts. There's a brotherhood out there on the road, and so they all kind of talk, and, you know, we're in the business of gathering information and not, not, not giving it away, but uh, I think our scouts do an unbelievable job of gathering information, gathering, you know, and then if, if there's rumors, you know, they're going to check out the rumors, and they have to deal with me because I hear a lot of rumors and, and I and I and I flip over every rock to see, you know, what's true and what's not true. And I'm, I'm I'm always constantly reaching out to them by you know via text or an email or something. Hey, can you check this out? Can you check this out? Who's this guy? He yeah, I got this I got this five minute video on YouTube of this kid. Hey, is this is this is this real or is this, you know, fabricated? So you have to trust them a ton.
2: Give us a thumbnail on each pick, up, you know, foregone. Again, all four guys appear to be a guy who can contribute to this team this year.
1: Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sound like a broken record uh, in terms of their, their football intelligence, their football character, and their football makeup. Uh, these three, these, the, the, the first three guys in particular, um, and really Tommy Stevens too, I'm not going to leave him out, um, all four of these guys are tremendously passionate about the game of football. Um, Cesar is, uh, you know, he's a, he was a junior. He started a few games as a freshman at guard. We love that because he's an 18-year-old playing, playing in the big town. and he's competing his tail off. And then he comes in there and he's a two-year starter. And all the information that we got from, you know, the coaching staff, all the people we know there, is that he is an alpha leader. He is a take-charge, no-nonsense, high football character loves the weight room um, no mental errors in 2 years no giving up sacks he's got these giant hands when you see a guy over 10 and a half hand for an interior offensive lineman that's a that's a huge thing we talk about arm length and hand size but for an interior offensive lineman just the surface space that you have in an 11 inch hand getting on a chest of a defensive lineman that makes a that makes that makes huge difference and he's got one of the bigger hands that I've seen at, at the center position. That that's huge, um, and he can also play guard. So I felt like there was a, some flexibility interior interior wise there. And we know how important it is to uh, you know you know keep the depth of the pocket clean for for our quarterbacks. And um, and so we felt like he was a he was a, a can't miss. I mean I don't want to say can't miss, but we thought the margin for failure was very low uh, on on Caesar. Uh, Zach Bond, man, we loved his passion. We loved his, his competitiveness. This is a linebacker that can play all three positions. Um, he kind of played a, a hybrid, you know, uh, three-four outside linebacker there at Wisconsin, and he, he rushed the passer. He, he was really good moving forward. Uh, we loved his ability to get to the quarterback, get out of trouble, drop back into space, and, and maybe cover a man-to-man, uh, a tight end, man-to-man, or a back out of the backfield. And then you start seeing a little bit more versatility when you get into, you know, some, some, some really some, some tape breakdown. Uh, he's an intelligent kid. He's super, super tough, which obviously that's a, that's a high mark for a linebacker. And then we felt like, man, he can, he can probably play Will or he might be able to play Mike. Uh, so the versatility, the flexibility for, uh, for a linebacker to be able to play all three positions. And then, and then you look at the football intelligence. It was really high. Um, his, uh, his, his instincts are super. So uh, we love that player, and we, uh, we tried for a while to, to go up and get him, and uh, awfully glad that uh, we're able to get, uh, get him on our team. And then Adam Troutman, again, I've, we talked a little bit about Adam, and again, another football-intelligent kid. Um, you know, he's prototype. All three of these guys are prototype, and that's big for us. Uh, we like big guys. We like guys that fit uh, uh, our profile for a football player. Um, this is a big man's game, and uh, we like big players. So, but Adams, uh, he what we call a wide tight end. He's going to be an, um, you know kind of on the line tight end, and uh, he can block. Uh, he was extremely successful as a pass receiver at Dayton, and he, that would that's kind of how he got on our radar is his pass receiving prowess and ability to get open and separate and go up and compete for competitive balls. But when we really started researching him and watching him at the senior bowl. I think we watched every single nine on seven tape uh, or, or play in the senior bowl and watching him block. And then you get a, you get, you know, call it call it a small school kid competing against big school players. And he held his own. Matter of fact, he, I thought he was the best tied in there uh, in terms of the wide blocking aspect. And, and, uh, and then you kind of look at the, the background. He had a, I think he had a math professor at high school that was just, that was the uh, you know his tight end coach there at Dayton. He didn't really have a uh, you know a full time tight end coach there. So we felt like, gosh, you know what happens when this guy gets real coaching from Dan Campbell and, and Declan Doyle and, and Pete Carmichael and our, our rest of our offensive staff and gets in there with Dan Remple and those guys and gets bigger, stronger, faster and and gets the football intelligence that uh, uh, that he hasn't had and the technique and fundamentals. Man, we just thought that he could. He could really go uh, someplace that uh, uh, that we wanted to go. So he's going to be an immediate contributor. There's a there's a big competition there, tight end. We have a lot of guys on the roster, but we have a lot of flexibility with him. And then Tommy Stevens, man, he's a he's an interesting athlete. Um, we felt like we might be able to get him in 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 the free agency process, and and end up finding out that we couldn't. Um, there's an in. In division rival that uh, felt like they were they had him um, signed, sealed, and delivered, and um, the agent wasn't really talking to us, so we just decided that we just go take him from him. And, um, and uh, I'll let Sean tell you the whole story, but uh, there's a little bit of competitive juices flying between me and Sean about uh, we want this player, and we're not going to let anybody just uh, take him from us. We're going to take him from them. But Tommy is a quarterback. He played at Penn State. Um, and he really didn't get to play a lot of quarterback at Penn State, so he played this hybrid role similar to our Taysom Hill. Mm-hmm. And he played, uh, played some tight end. He, you know, he played, played in the backfield with a Wildcat quarterback. And then he transfers as a grad transfer over to Mississippi State, um, and plays and starts at quarterback there. And the quarterback runs that I saw him uh, and our scouts saw were were very reminiscent of uh, of Taysom. And and this guy's six three. Call it almost just, just a shade under 6'4", and he's 247 pounds. He runs four 6", and um, we felt like the flexibility of this guy to play maybe multiple positions um, was was intriguing and uh, felt like he fit in what we do and felt like our coaches could develop this player into a, into a football player, whether it's a, whether it's a quarterback or H-back or tight end or whatever it may be. Uh, we felt like he has a chance, a chance to really develop.
0: Jeff, you're, you, you're not green to moving up in the draft, but when you guys are sitting at 88, Mickey touched on how much effort y'all put into going to get a player like Zach or going to get Zach specifically. Um, but what's going through your mind when you're constantly trying to call other teams to go get this player? And then at what point do you kind of just fall back and go maybe to your backup plan?
1: Well, we always have a backup plan. Um, we always put a two or three players into a bubble and say, hey, look, we. Um, and we we would never trade the pick unless the player was on the on the clock, you know, unless we were on the clock and he was there when we we're on the clock. Um, but when you when you, you put so much effort into that, trying to get up, trying to get up, trying to get up, and you're hoping that there's a trade partner, um, you know, you you you're, you don't really stop until you until when some, until someone says, you know, <laughs> you can't have this player until he's taken. So what, as long as he's on the clock, we were we were we were aggressively going after him. Um, you know, there is a time a time and place where you felt like, well, geez, you know, maybe he's going to drop all the way to 88, and that that started peaking, kind of you know, getting into my mind a little bit as I mean, maybe he, maybe he maybe he's there, and maybe he maybe we should wait on him. But uh, right about that time of thinking, uh, someone comes in with the with the opportunity to to um, uh, to take him to trade.
2: Jeff, now now the team has upgraded the quarterback position. You got to have another strong room again. You got Drew Brees, obviously. You got Tatum Hill, and now Jameis Winston's added into the mix. You've been in the NFL a long time. What are his traits that make him an attractive player?
1: Well, he's got tremendous arm talent. Uh, we know that. He's uh, he's a he's an unbelievable unbelievable competitor. Um, he can, he can make every throw that's, that's, that's known to, to football. Um, he's accurate. Um, and, and he, and he's, I I, I'm going to repeat myself. He's an unbelievable competitor. So when you're playing against Jameis Winston, you got to be prepared for anything because as long as you have a few weapons on the outside, on the inside, he's going to find them. And, uh, he's always intriguing. You know, he's the number one pick in the draft for a reason. And, um, Look, we just, when we talked about him internally, we felt like, gosh, you know, if we could get this guy under our coaching staff, learning from, from Joe Lombardi, from Pete Carmichael, uh, Sean Payton, and then him being able to watch Drew Brees about how he approaches the game, we felt like the his, his growth would be incredible. Um, and his humility to kind of take a, a step back and, and understand this uh, even intrigued us more because, it, gosh, you know it, it takes it takes it takes a big man to to say, hey, look, I need I need I need to learn a little bit more, and I'm going to take the opportunity to uh, to learn from some of the best, and um, that's not always easy for for someone to do, and so. That intrigued us even more about it. I know Sean's in, in, in love with the, with with uh, with the prospect, and you know, having a having a strong quarterback room is the number one, it's the most important position in football, and um, just having someone with his experience and his arm talent and his competitiveness and his, he's twenty six years old. <laughs> he's he's got a lot of football left in him, so we just kind of felt like, man, this would be a, a good opportunity, and and who knows how long Drew's going to play again, and so. Having someone that we can develop and groom um, along with Taysom was um, was an important decision for our football team.
2: Not a similar player, but did you see some of that similar, I guess, growth with, with a Teddy Bridgewater when he was here for the couple of years um, behind Drew and some of the things that he was able to absorb and then apply when when he played?
1: Well, it was a completely different situation. You know, Teddy's coming off the injury and he played a little mm-hmm. bit of preseason. and. Uh, um, of course, they're both starters and both highly successful. But certainly, the, certainly the, the same mindset that you have to take to, to come into an organization and play behind Drew Brees. I mean, look, you're not, you're only starting if Drew gets hurt and you're only playing if Drew gets hurt. And, and uh, you know, Drew's our unquestioned leader. So, but learning how a, a first ballot Hall of Famer prepares every single play and every single down and, and how he pr- approaches the game, you know, in in practice and in meetings and and uh, his, his 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 mental preparation to get ready for a game, it's it's unlike anything I've ever seen. So, um, you know, I think I think you know Teddy went through that same process that that James is going to go through. He's just going to sit back and he's going to observe and he's going to he's going to learn and. Even if Drew didn't say a word to Jameis, which that wouldn't be the case, but even if he didn't say a word, he would learn so much just by observing. I know I do. You know, I you know I just observe Drew. I just sit back and I just watch him lead and watch him prepare and watch him compete every single down. And it's uh, it's it's a learning process for everybody.
2: You know, I learned nothing from sitting back and watching Caroline, but that's a whole different thing for a different day. Um, <laughs> when 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 you have a veteran team as the Saints do. And you don't have, you know, you have this upheaval, and you don't have an off-season program. You know, I think we've heard Sean say it, it benefits to have a veteran team because they might be able to hit the ground running a little bit quicker. Uh, you, you the same mindset that you know you'd love to have the off-season program, but having a veteran team kind of helps because they understand the work ethic and the work and the work process.
1: Yeah, you have a you have a veteran coaching staff as well. You have a veteran team. You have a veteran quarterback. Um, We didn't have any turnover on our staff uh, and not a lot of turnover on our team. And so, look, these players know the routine. And uh, I've been here, this would be my sixth season, and I don't think we've ever had a player come in to camp out of shape, um, which is unlike any other team I've ever been on. So um, I think it's a tribute to how we've built this team and and the high-character culture that we've built. until you're in the locker room and understand the culture of, of, of the guys that we've brought into this football team. And it's uh, it's, it's unlike really anywhere else. And so I'm super proud of, of what we've what we've accomplished and what we've built. And I absolutely believe that um, we'll be able to hit the ground running pretty quickly.
2: One was, I forgot, I'm sorry, Caroline, I forgot to ask you about the undrafted guys, because you guys seem to have struck gold uh, several years with the undrafted, the undrafted rookies. you know, How do you determine this guy can be a fitter, this guy can make this team, or this guy's got a chance, or, you know, when you're looking at guys who who everybody passed over?
1: Well, you know, that goes back to how we built the board. And we build our board to the point where we don't really care where, where, what other teams think about the, that particular player. We care about how he fits us and how that how that player is going to come in and contribute, again, on that, that two-stage vision. And so we build our board. And when we, we feel like a player may be dropping or a player may be there in, in free agency um, after the draft, and he's still on our board, well, we just have to trust our scouts and trust ourselves that, hey, that player is on our board for a reason. He's, he's, he's made it through the, the, the four or five opportunities to get thrown off the board because a lot of players, a lot of players get thrown off our board and, and aren't able to stay on that board. You know, we come with our first meeting in December, there's 500 players, and then we got it down to, you know, almost half in February, and then we cut it down a little bit more in March, then we cut it down a little bit more, you know, in April. And then by the time I get in my office, and start cutting it down even more. I've got 100, 120 players on the board. And, and uh, when you're still sitting there the, on that draft board, after all those processes are over, um, we, we believe in you and we're going to go after you. And we're going we're to take that opportunity to expand our draft through the free agency. And that's, that's, made, that's, that's, that's done well for us over the years. And, and, um, and that's having a clear vision for the player and understand how he's going to help us year one, how he's going to make the team, and then what's his upside to develop into a, into a starter potentially or a or really key backup in the future is uh, kind of how we feel all about, about all these players that we sign.
0: Jeff, last question before we let you go. I we know we've taken up uh, a lot of your time here, but not to be a creep or anything, but I saw in your at-home war room you had a Peloton. So I have to ask, uh, I don't know if that's yours or another person in your family's, but who's your favorite Peloton instructor?
1: <laughs> uh, well, um, there's something about uh having having a having a female scream at you that uh, gets <laughs> you motivated a little bit so it's kind of like my wife telling me to make up my side of the bed or you know, pick up my shoes or something but uh i won't go with one individual instructor but uh uh i, I do like riding the peloton i like getting out on the, on the treadmill as well and uh, that's actually uh, that's actually my wife's peloton but uh uh, I actually moved it into the living room uh, during the draft process, uh, so I could get on the bike and ride a little bit as I'm watching the draft, and and uh, so it was uh, it was a nice little asset to have
0: in my own draft room. Yeah, see, I was the opposite. I, I need somebody, uh, I need a man to tell me that I'm you know terrible and I need to go faster. So we're opposite <laughs> ends of the spectrum. There, so I understand. It makes uh, sense. Jeff, we appreciate your time. Thanks so much for uh, coming on. Best of luck the rest of the year, and hopefully we'll see you soon.
1: Absolutely, guys. Take care.
2: Thank you, Jeff.
0: I don't know about you, but I learned a lot in that interview with Assistant General Manager and College Scouting Director Jeff Ireland. So thanks to him for coming on the show today. Let's go ahead and hear from the New Orleans Saints draft picks and their best sound bites from the draft. Cesar Ruiz gets the call from the Saints. How do you describe the emotion when that call came in?
3: Uh, it was unbelievable. I mean, the clock was ticking down, and it was at two minutes. So I was just sitting back, and I saw a New Orleans area code. I, I just couldn't believe it. Uh, this, this is a blessing, man.
2: Can you share what that conversation is like?
1: It was.
3: It, it was basically, uh, you know, Coach Payton on the phone just telling me, uh, "Hey, you know, we're gonna we're gonna make you a." Uh, I'm going to take you with this pick. And it was just, man, I can't describe it. Man, it was just it's crazy.
2: So you said that playing center really speaks to you. Do you have any idea how you'll be used?
3: Um, uh, not sure, but, you know, I play interior offensive line. So guard, center, whatever it is, that's what I do. Uh, yeah, it's a surreal feeling. Um, you know, uh, never knew an organization I was going to play for. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm just blessed for it to be in uh, new Orleans and, uh, you know, 24 hours ago, uh, I was sitting in my room, just sitting here praying and just, uh, had so much going on through my mind about where I would end up. And, uh, you know all that stress is gone and, uh, it's just, just an amazing feeling right now that that's all gone. I'm going an amazing organization. Jesus, Sean Payton said he, he didn't, uh, draft you. Uh, he drafted you to come in and start. Did you hear him say that? And what is, what is your reaction to that? Yeah, I've heard. I heard that on. Um, I heard that on uh, Twitter when I was going through uh, everything, and um, you know, I, it makes sense. You know, um, you wouldn't you wouldn't take somebody this high for him to just sit back and just you know just watch. Um, you know, coach thinks very highly of me, and he believes in my abilities. And uh, you know, that's just uh, when he said that. You know, it's really just to motivate me even more um, to know I got to come in and work hard because, uh, you know, once I get out there, I'm going to be on the field. Um, coming in and, you know, having Drew Brees as my quarterback, um, you know, it's important to protect him at all costs. So, uh, you know, that's what I'm going to do. Um, that's what I do. Um, and I'm going, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. I'm going to protect him, And, um, you know, it means a lot to have a leader like that. And somebody who's been around the game for so long to be able to teach me a lot. And, um, you know, sort of mentor me as well. And, um, you know, just having him around and, uh, you know, learning from him, you know, it's uh, it's really important for me to be able to protect him and, uh, you know, have his back. Uh, I just got off the phone with the linebacker coach and he just said, um, he's already imagining up uh, different different ways to uh, put me in and um, get me involved. So I'm really excited for what he's got, got in store.
0: Zach, did you get any good indication uh,
3: why you think you fell to the third run? I know they said on TV that they thought there were some medical questions. Is that something a lot of teams wanted info from from you on? I mean, I really don't have any idea, and I, as a matter of fact, I don't don't really care what the reason was, but I, I'm just so happy to have gotten picked and feeling a lifelong dream. Just from what I know, Obviously, I've seen, uh, they obviously use a move guy a lot, Jared Cook, and then um, they do have true Wise and all that on the roster, so um, they do, I mean, they do it all from what I've seen on, on film. They, they use tight ends in every single way you can imagine on the field. As soon as you got picked, everybody was like, Taysom 2.0. Uh, do you think that's a, a fair comparison?
1: I think Taysom brings, you know, his own games to the table, and I bring mine, so... Um, but again, I'm glad that I'm going to be teammates with, with somebody like Taysom. And, you know, the other quarterbacks in that room, uh, I can't wait to, to get to work with them. And um, like, I, like I keep saying, it's such an unbelievable opportunity. I'm so thankful for it.
0: Excited to welcome in those new members to the Saints family. Make sure you tune in on Friday as we host Jeff Duncan from The Athletic on the show. He'll talk a little bit about the draft, undrafted free agents, and then We'll get into a little Jazz Fest talk, hopefully. So uh, you don't want to miss that interview with Jeff Duncan. All right, thanks to Jeff Ireland for joining us on the show today and for John DeShazer, Caroline Gonzalez. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk on Friday.